0: Hey, this is Ross Payton with RoePlan Public Radio. This is uh, RPPR episode 98, IGM, Therefore I Am. And with me, as always, is Mr. Tom Church, and also
1: uh, special guest, Caleb. How you doing? Well, as we said, neither China nor sickness could keep us from our appointed episodes.
0: Yeah. So, uh, how you doing there? I
1: think you were storing up announcer voice.
2: It (laughs) all came out at that singular moment.
0: Yeah. It just tumbled forth. was Was it or was it just like you you missed it no
1: no i'm I'm gonna stick with horrifying no game (laughs) show i was hearing game show music in my head. all right next up on candle let's
0: pick that Uh,
2: rpg
1: so
0: uh yeah we've been been gone a while or uh, for the main podcast uh I just got back from China uh, where I saw many sites in Asia including Angkor wat and I'll talk mm-hmm. a little bit about that I was laid low by the flu yeah he Tom was sick so we couldn't record the episode right after I got back uh, because you know he was vexed with a pox uh, that he got from the miasma I was uh, cursed
1: I was cursed
0: but then he was he visited but I
1: defeated the curse I got the amulet of Yendor oh good yeah yeah uh, I'm still coughing though it's think that thing is <laughs> not worth the gold it's minted on yeah thanks Obama uh, <laughs> does not go with any outfits I have yeah thanks yeah. Obama really clashes as an accessory yeah,
0: yeah the relics and uh, artifacts part of the healthcare.gov is just yeah, <laughs> woefully neglected uh, anyway before we get totally off topic uh, we need to get on topic uh, before we can go off topic uh, we have some news. Uh, well, for th- this episode, we're going to be talking about GMing, GMing philosophies and our approaches to GMing, like what we want out of GMing. Since we're all game masters here, we've all run a ton of games, so uh, I thought that'd be interesting. Uh, the eight types of fun and that kind of stuff. So, but first off, we have some news. Uh, first off, Caleb and I will be going to Fear the Con this year in June. Woo! woo. Yeah, uh, St. Louis. For- yes, St. Louis. <laughs> woo city! That's regional, large city over it's a strange there. Strange and distant land. <laughs> yeah. Uh, not as distant and uh, strange as China. Have I mentioned I got. Oh China. my
1: <laughs> god. god. damn it. Ron. No <laughs> one cares.
0: Uh, you were in sync that time. That was. Uh, all right. That was frightening. So, Fear the Con. <laughs> uh, I'll be running base raider, games of base raiders. By the time this episode is up, you'll all have a link you can see. And Kale will be running.
2: Uh, I'll be running games from uh, my upcoming campaign for Arc Dream No Soul Left Behind. Okay. Better Angels and uh games from no security which is my
0: book yes. which you should buy yes which you will be able to have a chance to
1: buy and get it autographed by Caleb whenever, uh, yes, bu- whenever you buy a book and you I will- buy a book Caleb has a brief moment of happiness yes it's so brief <laughs> <laughs> very brief I but know. it's it's all he's got
0: <laughs> oh uh, no he has his freelancing work like, we'll think, do have a yeah so we uh, yeah and all the base raiders and zombies of the world and all that good stuff so that'll be really fun uh, 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 it's a nice little con to uh, play um there's also a podcasting panel on a Yes, there, there will we, be podcasting panels. Sit in on that. Yeah, so. and I'll have the links up uh, by the time this episode goes up. So uh, we're still figuring out the details right now. Uh, no Security is out, by the way, by Kale's book. Yes, uh, you, you can get in. Drive color. RPG
2: or Amazon yeah. or yeah. CreateSpace. Yes,
0: yes and uh, you can get it in color again in black and white, and just however you want. Worldwide shipping, too, especially through CreateSpace so, yeah. or uh, yeah. Amazon. That's so. the black seeing, and white
1: Seeing Caleb briefly smile is wonderful. Yes. You should do it. <laughs> 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 All
0: right. Um, also, I have new content for base raiders. Uh, there are two new villains out in PDF form for each one. Uh, on sale for $1.79. Uh, uh, the uh, Hedge Wizard and Agent Grayson are both badass villains you can use and throw into your game with uh, full stats, backstory, easily customizable, uh, and other uses. So, And we'll have more content coming out for base raiders in PDF form, more short form content. Uh, if you want to specify what you would like uh, to see next in base raiders, feel free to post a comment. Let me know what you want to get. Uh, I have tons of ideas uh, for new items, new bases obviously take a lot more work than like a single NPC. So uh, I think the next NPC I'm going to stat out there will be sparkles, the unicorn. I think that the, yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) also fuck you. Yeah. 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 Um, if you've listened to the actual plays, you know uh, how the players are huge fans of Sparkles. Uh, I love. For-
1: <laughs> Aaron was <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Aaron murdered people to save that psychotic mass murdering unicorn. Like, well, yeah. at least he didn't. He didn't free Sobek.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we, well I don't think the other players would have let Aaron save Sobek. I think they would have killed Ered <laughs> if they saved him. Uh so um but Caleb also talking about uh RPPR games. Uh you've been playtesting or we, the you've been working on No Soul Left Behind.
2: Uh yes. So it, on the RPPR uh site they're being posted as The Spared and the Spoiled, which, which was, was the, the uh lesser title, title yeah. and the working title of it. But um yeah, I am writing. Basement. I am writing that campaign book for Arc Dream, and they are in the midst of play testing it now.
0: Yeah, uh, so uh, there episode. will
2: eventually be a Kickstarter. Yeah, so.
0: there will be. There are five episodes up. They've gotten a great response from the community. I think people yeah. really dig it. a uh, kids. kids. You know, I actually spent like an hour on YouTube <laughs> and on the internet trying to find that. Like. Uh, uh, That quote in the movie that it's based on, but it's not actually in the movie. (laughs) James Edward almost does not actually say, I must do this for the kids. It's from a South
2: Park episode. I know. I
0: I know, but I thought South Park was quoting from the movie, but no. It's. You lied to me, South Park. Uh, So. Ross
1: has been betrayed.
0: Uh, Also, speaking of other news, uh, I will be going to PAX East uh, April 11th to the 13th in Boston. Uh, I will be going as part of the Pixelscopic crew uh, who are going there to promote their video game that I'm working on, Delver's Drop, which was also a successful Kickstarter. And it's basically a roguelike Zelda game. Uh, where you know top down, uh, but with a physics engine. But like, you know, you pick up items, you you uh, kill enemies, and it's you know. And I'm working on items and room design and stuff like that. It's going to be a really fun game. What days are you going to be there? April 11th through the 13th.
1: Oh, because I'm going to be in Boston on the uh, 18th. Oh, okay, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, so
0: the um, so I will be there part. I'll be working in their booth part of the time, but the other time I'll set up some unofficial RPPR meets or I don't know exactly what my schedule's there. They haven't posted the schedule for PAX East yet. They only do that two weeks before the con starts. So I'm like, uh, I'll do things there. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know what's available there. So, uh, But I'll try and stuff for you RPPR fans. I'll, I'll try and run a game or meet up with you guys after hours or something like that. I don't know. We'll, we'll, I'll post information about that on the forums and on the Facebook group when I actually get that information. Uh, hooray. So, uh, and also we have a new episode of Unspeakable, the podcast. Uh, it's three hours long of me, Scott Glancy, mostly Scott Glancy, Shane <laughs> Ivy. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. Let, <laughs> let's not cut, you know, Scott Glancy. You got to know what you're getting into. Yeah. Uh, we're, and also Brendan Brian and Gwen Callahan of the, who run <laughs> the HP Lovecraft film festival. They recently had a successful Kickstarter to get a bunch of great guests, including Sandy Peterson uh, and a ton of authors uh, to the film festival. Uh, and they, they, they talk about it in the episode. We also talk about Cthulhu based movies and TV shows uh, everything from Reanimator to the Resurrected to True Detective, of course, uh, yeah. Uh, and Scott Glancy does talk about weird strip clubs he's been to, so it's a great th- listen uh, if you know what you're into. Yeah. So, uh, and then finally, of course, I am back from China. Uh, I visited um, several places. You can go to the RPPR Tumblr, Tumblr uh, and see photos of some of the highlights of my visit. And I have uh, I got some ideas For running games Based on that uh, Based on some of the things I saw And uh, I have met up Some RPPR fans In Chengdu, China And I actually recorded A game with them Using my uh, phone To record it And I'll post that Actual play Sometime on the main podcast It was Call of Cthulhu uh, Architectural Horror uh, It's set in a Chinese Ghost City One of those Cities that you know the 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 real estate speculators. Uh, wasn't have this built. one
1: where everyone requested to be like people requested to be assholes? No, they
0: just chose that. They just okay. like they made their. I told them to make their own characters. Like we made characters who we want to see die <laughs> in the game, and I'm like,
2: which I, isn't a bad tactic for a
0: Call of <laughs> Cthulhu game. Yeah, no, it's kind of a win-win. Like <laughs> yeah,
2: you're, you're you're gonna you're yeah. gonna be.
0: Fulfilled. Yeah, I died to save the world and my character was a horrible person. (laughs) It's a net win for (laughs) humanity. Exactly. Uh, So it was pretty awesome. And uh, I had a fun time running it and they had a fun time playing it. Um, (coughs) So... Uh, I think that's it for news, unless you want to hear more about my age. No. We really don't. No, 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 not, no. At, all. not no. at all,
1: not at all, not at all,
0: listeners. Uh, well, you can't, you can't respond. Uh, post in the comments, and I'll, I'll expand on it in a link. Um, so. so, let's seriously, listeners, make the right choice. He's going to get out slides. I yeah. swear to God, they don't slides. They don't sli- like how how would I do that?
2: They don't process slide film anymore. It's not <laughs> he pays specialists oh just to God. make them torture us. (laughs) Tom, men.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh. Oh, ye little faith. Uh, so uh, so why don't we yeah get to the main topic, uh, GMing. Yes, oh, we also we have shout-outs that? and anecdotes. Uh, anecdotes are all going to be Aaron-based uh, for those. Uh, when, aren't they? Yeah, well, all right.
1: Sometimes they're not. Sometimes <laughs> some, they're some
0: not. Some are better than others, but yeah, <laughs> the, these are great ones. So uh, talking about the red markets, uh, alpha play test a little bit. Uh, so, But first, let's get to the main topic, uh, GMing philosophy. So uh, this original idea came from an article <laughs> you, you you told me about that I read, about the eight types of fun from the angry uh, dm.com. Yes, and I read that and I, I thought, like, yeah, that you kind of the whole point of the article is talking about. Well, when you ask why do you run games, well, have to have fun, and that that's sort of what most people answer. And but how do you quantify fun? Well, how do you qualify it? You know, uh,
2: in creative writing terms, fun in game design would be the equivalent of flow. Yeah, it's a nonsense word that has no actual meaning. I really like how this story flowed. Okay, yeah. let me go to the flow section. Yeah. and Oh, wait. We need 20% more flow. You just haven't, yeah, you just haven't read anything before. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, so, yeah, <coughs> he brings up a good point is that fun is... Uh, Totally useless
0: as criticism. Actually, I can see where Flow is because I know what the opposite of Flow is. Uh, German critical theorist. Like, <laughs> if you read Adorno, that is the fucking opposite of whatever Flow is because you read one paragraph of it and you're like. <laughs> so I don't know what Flow is, but I know it when I don't
2: see it? Exactly. All right. <laughs> All right. Uh, so yeah. He, is this he, some kind of avant garde German theater uh, bullshit? No. Uh, but yeah, he breaks it down according to eight tenets of fun in uh, video game design that yeah. they talk about an extra Credits to, yeah, and I think it's uh, pretty useful for yeah. talking about GM.
0: Uh, so we'll get into that in a second. But first, let's first start off by saying what our central philosophy is, and just like a few sentences, sort of describe what you want to get out when you run a game. Like what you, what do you, what is your your goal, or what do you, what excites you about being a GM? So for me, I like to GM because I want to create a narrative that no one person could have created, that it's spontaneously created at the table, and there are unpredictable elements in it that create a more engaging and more fascinating, you know, more entertaining story than what I would have done by myself or what any of one of the players would have done by themselves. Nobody expects what's going to happen because uh, the dice are the randomization and the choices that they make and uh, the interaction between the players. So that's why I GM, because I want to see stories... Told in front of my eyes um, that I couldn't predict. I start, but everyone else finishes. Yeah, so that's me. So uh, Tom, Caleb, uh, uh,
1: basically, when I run stuff, I, I really just hope that with, with, together with me and the players, we cre- you know I we create something that we end up talking about. Okay, at, at, went long afterwards. So you want to create a memorable game, so something memorable. Okay. Pleasure and not. I don't want to create something like God. You remember that game we played back then? Yeah. God, it's uh, so bad it set off the smoke alarm. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> you know, I, I don't. But yeah, I like something that, you know, that we talk about in a positive or way. depressing, like Death of a Salesman, in the RPG. You don't
0: want to do that necessarily. That'd be, that'd be memorable, but that would be like the, I, I,
1: I was I, sad. I don't. I don't want the players to kill themselves afterwards. <laughs> yeah. Death of all the Autobots. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't want. I don't want to run some Sart. You know, yeah. RPG. All right. Fair enough. Um,
2: I probably would run Death of a Salesman. <laughs> I uh, would, yes, we we I know, but you would put
0: in a dirty world, and there would be a ten. There would be a two-digit body count.
2: <laughs> no, I didn't make the
1: two-digit body count. <laughs> Tom Sheridan and David playing in a game made the two-digit body count. Uh, You're I, just saying that because we wiped out the entire police force of a town and most of
2: the town. <laughs> uh, anyway, that's a uh, that's a game we played while Ross is in China. So that'll yeah. be posted sometime before we die. It was also in other Asian countries. Oh, right. yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> anyway, yeah. uh I suppose that uh, mine is very similar from Tom. Uh although I'm not I'm not really looking for memorable. Like uh I I like um Running a game where once the game ends or pauses, the players are thinking about what their character is going to do next, and they're thinking about what's happened before. It's, a, it's something that engages them So engagement. after the table yeah. as well.
0: Like, okay. You want to leave over the last year.
2: I like a game that, that the narrative is good <laughs> enough that people get uh, involved in it even when they're not at the table. One. Okay. I like a game that'll make you do some homework or at least think about it. So.
0: I mean, yeah, certainly. Like with No Evil, I uh, got into Bartleby's uh, uh, thinking about the choices to make in that game, and <coughs> the uh, uh, the subplots and Better Angels, yeah. that
2: that kind of stuff. I like to get yeah. people more involved in their characters. Yeah. So.
1: Yeah. All right. I had to kiss your ass a bit. Yeah, I actually really got involved in Preston. Yeah. yeah yeah well thank I, you that, and that was that was nowhere just me that I couldn't do that unless the g m was and other players were involved too yeah there's no way I could have gotten involved in a character like that without it
0: yeah. yeah I mean yeah he was very social and very uh pleasant as opposed to you know your like german- pun- Ger- german punisher yeah <laughs> uh preferred archetype i mean I couldn't be a werewolf in the and yeah in, in eclipse
1: phase so, well i octomorph was close for you <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so, I find interesting that I never b- w- believe I wore a top hat, but everyone assumed I did. Uh, well, you were just that dapper, that was great role playing there, Tom.
2: I, I just okay, if <laughs> yeah, you have it. octopi, yeah, and you have top hats, yeah, and they're in the same setting, yeah, why would you not put
0: those together, right? Exactly, that's my question. Intelligent octomore, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's, yeah,
1: I went with it, I like peanut
0: butter and chocolate, they just go together, <laughs> you know. So, uh, so that's sort of yeah what we want uh we we kind of similar but there's there's differences between what we want in running games but so how do you how do you achieve that and um you yeah, know first off all, I guess we should talk about the eight types of fun that they mentioned in the article uh and so just listening to them briefly one the first one is sensory pleasure which is uh the actual look and feel of the game, which in not as much in tabletop as they are in video games but like <laughs> uh the role of the dice miniatures uh presentation of the RPG book fancy art yeah yeah uh, character sheets that kind of thing Hex grids yes, uh certainly some games have been Random sold
1: roll tables yes, <laughs> yes.
0: Uh, well they rollmaster sold for years <laughs> yes. they they sold a lot of books all right i'm not I'm not criticized all right fair enough uh it's not like they, it's riffs. <laughs> they
1: had they they sell books you shut up we're not talking about riffs
0: <laughs> you brought it up <laughs>
1: you, you know, opened Pandora's box just sparks.
2: to taunt you we're not talking about
1: riffs oh monster we already did we already did our
0: palladium episode uh you <laughs> next the next one is fantasy which is the uh the fantasy you know in your head the the escapism the uh creation of worlds through pure imagination uh, reading rainbow kind of you know bs so
1: which usually involves violence
0: yeah uh (laughs) all right well to be fair yeah the most rpgs uh (coughs) then um narrative would be the third one um which is the creation of a story with plot, characterization, dialogue, that whole fiction thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then Challenge, which is... I mean if you which especially makes sense like if you're thinking in a video game like you play a video game and it's hard and you get frustrated with it but on the other hand if you enable the cheat codes and you just steamroll through it you get bored because there's it, it's too easy so there has to be the fine line between too hard and too easy and so role playing games try to do that especially like the combat based ones but you know you can't just steamroll your way through the narrative get everything your character wants and you know well what call of Cthulhu wouldn't like be possible unless there was a significant challenge.
2: There's goddamn vampires in yeah. Knights
0: Black Agents.
2: I know. We're Jesus a challenge focused
1: type of Yeah. Fight. Exactly. <laughs> like, like, okay. Like, should we procure ourselves a semi to run them over 20 times? It wouldn't have worked. <laughs> Probably not <laughs> I know, but it worked as a narrative like
0: you guys were okay. If I made them killable by normal No,
1: it worked. It was yeah. a type of fun. Yeah. It was fun. No, I, yeah. I admit I'm not bad. It was, was saying just an bad. exhausting type of <laughs> Yeah it's really like when a vampire showed up my reaction wasn't oh God here we go Oh, Jesus, here we go. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's, like, it's me. Like, all right, can we start? Can we get like twelve gallons of hydrofluoric acid and just no. you know
0: dissolve them or something. Well, because again, in my experience, in my experience, those kind of games, <laughs> if I made them slightly less kill, if slightly less invulnerable, you guys were like, I spent all my points, I headshot him, he's dead. <laughs> you know, they would have been pushovers. So there's no real. Hey, I don't
1: know what you're talking about, except, except for <laughs> except the fact that I made a forger who was
0: also yeah, sniper. Sniper. yeah, exactly. <laughs>
1: Uh, god damn
0: it <laughs> the next next one is fellowship which is just camaraderie at the game table uh, we sometimes science. get that yes yeah. uh, telling jokes uh, laughing enjoying uh, uh, yeah banter that kind of thing so uh, next one would be discovery uh, which is more <laughs> about learning like especially in mystery type games like figuring out what the Hidden element is that kind of thing, uh, um, or like in those weird
1: adventure games, like rubbing the right item on the right thing to actually, yes, yeah,
0: the, the moon, through. the inscrutable moon logic of uh, <laughs>
1: adventure games. Uh, that would be that would be a good example of that.
0: Um, the next one would be expression that would be like creative expression throughout your own, like especially for players, it'd be like my character is especially unique, snowflake, here's my backstory, and that kind of thing. Um, so, or GM list games, yeah, uh, you know, things where you're Asking for a lot of player buy-in and investment. Yeah, like coming up <laughs> with setting elements, that kind of thing. Uh, and then finally, submission, uh, which is abidnation, or that's another word for it. Uh, yeah, abdignation. Just abdignation, uh, a
2: though. surrendering of your, not free will, but like. Well, it's autopilot. Like, yeah, you, know, you, go you on want to go on autopilot. You want mindless fun. That's, Minecraft. Yeah, mine. You, wa- you want to dig into some granite and stack that it. That wouldn't even seem, well. I mine- think there's a part of that, are like early wow. Early wow. Like yeah, go kill some wolves. Yeah, yeah.
0: For eighteen hours, Diablo. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, mindless fun. That's yeah. you want your brain on autopilot. That's that's what it is. No. So, uh, those are the eight types of fun, and I think certainly some role playing games are more active in certain areas than others. The submission one, uh, certainly I could see in like tech. Like when you hear about groups that play for twelve hours and they have food and like their big ass dungeon crawls, I can see the one player's like, "I'm my fighter hits it with an axe. All right, there we go, and then it gets back to you know doing just hanging out. Yeah. So. Uh, I can see that in that context. Um, Not something I would enjoy, but teach their own, right? Yeah, right. I think surrender and abdication is the hardest to do in a role playing game. Yeah, That's it's a
2: pen and paper. Yeah, right?
0: and then you don't have to get all types of you know. Like for me, obviously, a lot of mine is uh, narrative and challenge. I think would be. Uh, with discovery and expression would be some of my more important ones uh that I want to hit on uh I think i'm more into challenge than either of you guys' g m s uh uh i don't know yes no well i I think I'm always
2: narrative and discovery yeah because uh, everything is somewhat investigative yeah because i I wrote a post about this before the blog got destroyed um but you know on mystery games, I think like like, XP and, like, new stuff, that's all great, but, like, it really doesn't do anything for me at the table. Like, new information, like, more yeah. story is the only reward, and that's why I like mystery games, because, like, intrinsically, your reward for advancing in the story is more story. So, yeah. um, I think, ev- and, like, everything I've written has, like, those elements. So, like, No Evil's definitely got Discovery. Yeah. Um I tried to minimize it more in Better Angels, but it is ultimately, like... Why do we have superpowers again? No. Like and then um even in red markets, you know, there's always a complication to the job. There's always one element you aren't going to see coming. Yeah. Um, because intelligence isn't perfect. Uh yeah. so <laughs> So I always try those two, but then I'm like, I'm really new as a GM compared to you guys. So I try to not at this point, I think. I mean well, I, I mean, like year wise, I mean, I'm still at the hobby deficit. I didn't start playing when I was six, and then seven, have yeah, seven years, thirty older. years of D and D experience,
0: like whatever your average Gen Con attendee has. So, um, I don't think well, I mean, that experience like isn't as important as uh, in some hobbies or crafts because like you learn bad habits in the like yeah. in a lot of them. So like those. 40 year grognards are like the uh, hex maps and, you know, (laughs) 10 foot poles. Yeah. Uh, Uh, Well, I mean, that's just their type of fun, though.
2: Like, so like for me, I try and emphasize something different on the other ones I've realized with the other campaigns. So I think with red markets, I'm trying to add challenge and bump that up on the priority list. Yeah, you certainly have. Uh, To make, you know, it both narrative and discovery, but also harder. Yeah. Yeah. in in but the hope the hope is that the the difficulty aids the narrative rather than just being a end unto itself yeah um and then for uh better angels my goal was to uh add more expression and get people involved more like with subplots and individual characters and shaping yeah. the community and, and things of that nature uh and also uh, I think that lately I've been trying to add more uh, fellowship because I've been actively seeking to prepare less for games. Yeah. Considering you know when I used to write Andrew Fortune it was like twenty six pages long for <laughs> two sessions of a rules light system. <laughs> it was half as long as the book yeah. for the game
0: in which it was written. <laughs> yeah, you've come a long way since. Then. Uh, yeah, and so as now, opposed to Dungeon World, where, Dungeon World, where it's like I've got a map,
2: I got a six pack and a map. <laughs> Let's do this.
0: And I got him um, four down on the six pack. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So Tom, I mean, what about you? Like,
1: I, y- I think I'm more a uh, narrative sensory myself. Well, sensory. Well,
0: I would say narrative fantasy for you. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. Cause sensory is again for tabletop games is like literally like your actual senses. Yeah. Like you're not a mini pa- If you painted minis. Yeah. He does I mean, love to roll some dice. He, well, yeah, that's true. So I can see that, but I don't know. So Tom, go going, yeah,
1: I, I think, yeah. Uh, narrative and fantasy. Narrative, like, that, it sounds all right with me. I'm, I'm just always kinda of just thinking about like honestly, like my original philosophy just came from where would be a cool place to have a fight? Yeah, you know, where would be a cool place to have a fight? Yeah. You know, and it's I would literally just kinda of look I would like look up places or think of places I've been to, but I could never like my problem was I could never do do that with like maps and minis. Yeah. You know, like my my, my way of doing combat is yeah, you know, like, you, utilizing your you, utilizing the surroundings in creative ways, not just well. This will give you like half cover here if you want to, and shoot him over here at this range. Okay, so a lot of it is like,
0: would you did you like design scenarios because like you had a cool set piece that you wanted to do something yeah. like that?
1: Okay, and uh, it's, honestly, it's like I said, I'm I actually kind of ha- I'm kind of ha- I partly kind of had to relearn DMing for different mm-hmm. groups because I told you my last group they're perfectly content with having conversations with NPCs for an hour of actual time. Yeah. Uh, and it's and I think this group, you know, banter between PCs and NPCs is cool too, but that's not the primary thing people want to do. Yeah. Especially not an out for an hour at a time.
0: No. We we've never done that, I think. I mean No, it's very short and to the point. I mean, like they're meaningful, I think, but we we kinda like Bounce back and forth, and <coughs> I think that's we're kind of atypical with a lot of groups. A lot of groups are very more leisurely, and mm. um, we're very much like we having not we're going to get shit done
1: tonight. <laughs> like, well, I, I think I think my most successful games are the ones where I've just kind of like you know no 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 I just I'll throw in shit when I need, but I'll, I'm going to let the players handle this. Yeah, that's kind of what like lady the cyberpunk Lady Gaga went with. Yeah, I had I had this whole thing planned, but I I just but then I just kind of gave mm. you a scenario like you know no no. They'll plan it. Yeah. They'll plan it out. (laughs) Yeah. All I got to do is control the people they are inevitably going to try to slaughter. Yeah. Yeah. And that worked out great. Uh, So it's, yeah,
0: it's a more of a, uh, and also expressionistic. Actually, because you want the players to express themselves through like the environment and Mm -hmm. through like they're trying to, you're going instead of going for mystery, you know, uh, Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy over here with Caleb. Uh, I'm more James Bond. You're James, yeah, James Bond. You know, Pierce Brosnan, kind of like swinging through a skylight. Yeah,
1: I'm, I'm, I'm going to try to run a lot more games this year. Yeah, I, 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 I oftentimes I I don't. Yeah. But then again, we usually got campaigns going. And
0: yeah, we do have a lot of campaigns. Um, I know you wanted to run a cursed, uh, cursed uh, yeah. since that's come out, um, and you, you've got the copy. Um,
1: and yeah, so so you're thinking about these but eight bits. Yeah, sorry. I think I finally decided. I just need to GM what I think my strengths are, which is what I just talked about. Yeah,
0: like we have different genre preferences. Like you're very mm-hmm. much into the action stuff. Action. Caleb's more into yeah. the. Day.
1: Like, like and actually it's more action sci-fi or action modern day. Yeah. Fantasy and magic is not really my wheelhouse. Right. Though I did try I did try to do that Pathfinder thing which Yeah.
0: Um, yeah, we did do like six or seven sessions of a Pathfinder game that fell apart, but like well, it was the fun because one of the main main
1: players couldn't show up.
0: Well, I yeah, Dan uh, mm-hmm. stopped showing up, so um, that was unfortunate. Uh, we have those. I probably put those up on the piece. I'm yeah, not sure. I but try.
1: David's demanding like Tom, you got to start that game again. You yeah. seriously? You got to reboot it. Yeah, you got to reboot it. But uh, everyone who was in it said they want to continue.
0: Yeah. Uh, we'll see.
2: See, as a narrative person, there's nothing I hate more than just letting something fizzle. Oh no! For I, my understanding of like the hobby in general, is that that is alarmingly common. Oh yeah, and mm. that oh god, it just drives me <coughs> nuts. Like yeah, when when Better Angels started and then pooped out. Yeah. The first, uh, oh god. Yeah. I
0: hate it. It's a bad feeling. Yeah. And we've had it here happen in RPPR, like the Slenderman game. Uh, that mm, I posted, yeah. uh, and then of course the Pathfinder, and there have been others, but I think the problem with it, and and that is very frustrating. I think the problem is with that in terms of GM philosophy. A lot of GMs do not. It's it's sort of like the buffet problem. Your eyes are bigger than your you know what you can actually handle. You know, there yeah. than than your mouth. So you like. Every GM, I think, has a phase where, like, I'm going to create Game of Thrones, or I'm going to do the Sopranos, <laughs> or I'm going to do this fucking huge epic sweep. And everyone's going to be amazed, because that's where the greatest moments, that's the ones that people talk about ten years from now. But then, of course, real life gets in. Or even, in that, even if they are able to meet the narrative, you can't – creating a great epic is really fucking hard, like, from beginning to end. And – uh, even with the ones that we've done, like um, for Here's a New Arcadia, it was very, I made it as a very modular kind of thing that I then interlinked, but I could have easily ended it in any one of the tiers. No Evil was designed from the ground up to be that, but it was still very modular. You didn't have like the – entire you had the beginning and the end sort of figured yeah, out. I,
2: I did a solar – I did like uh, an orbit at a time. Like,
0: yeah. I did not write Luna until Venus was done. Right. Like, yeah. Uh, but you had the ending beginning. Yeah, like the So you knew where it was going. But that's all you did. And yeah. you'd already run a lot of games for us at that point. And we already, as a stable group. And I think that's part of the reason. So people, you know, you see a lot of these indie people who want to create. I'm doing this great novel. I'm doing this great comic book. Oh, I'm doing, you know, help me fund my Kickstarter for my comic book. Well, okay. So it's, the comic book's like, aha. You what? read the comics like. To be continued. Like you, it took you, you know, a year to do one issue, yeah, and you only have twenty-two pages, especially in web comics too. And it's just uh, you got to know your limitations.
1: Uh, I think that's yeah. so, sort and, of other geeks. Yeah, web comics. I, I, there's several that I, I'm really following, but then yeah. it's like they get to a really cool spot. Like, um, we're moving, so it's going to be two years before I do this again. Yeah. yeah. Uh,
2: well, I also think it's really interesting that like my preferences as a DM like do not necessarily 100% translate to my preferences as a player
0: yeah oh like, yeah I, I really
2: i really like narrative and discovery like even as i play yeah but like I'm far more into sensory stuff as a player than I ever as a GM, because if you give me a little figurine and you give me a map to move around on and yeah. you've drawn the map, I'm much more likely to enjoy it rather than spending eight hours before the game starts creating that myself.
0: Yeah, or, certainly. And uh, handouts, handouts. I think actually that's another thing about yeah. sensory pleasure is, a, uh, is creating handouts for players. Because I know like you really got into the one handout I gave out for that uh, Eclipse Race game that I had a puzzle embedded in. it. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. And <laughs> I did. enjoy that You know, far... But that's Discovery. Like, yeah. yeah, I wasn't, like, physically doing anything. I was just figuring it out. Like. Yeah. But, like, another thing, like, I am much more keen to, like, game just for fellowship as a GM than I am as a player. Like, I, I like hanging out with you guys, of course. Yeah. But, like, we hang out at times that aren't game times. Yeah. So when we're going to game, I, I get a little, like... Yeah. I I take my fun very seriously and I'm like why are you still eating fucking food like turn on let's go let's play a game like uh, it goes much farther down like when I'm a player than I am with uh, a GM for some reason I don't even know why yeah Uh, so
0: yeah. That's so, hard. I mean, that's...
2: that's a, hardcore.
0: Yeah, because uh, Caleb respects the... Uh, he, he's doing it for the game. No, yeah. it's because I'm anal retentive. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I'm trying to... I'm trying to... Just <laughs> knock it down. <laughs> uh, so, why don't we talk about, yeah, about the things that frustrate us as GMs. Like, the things like... I know every GM has their own preference about, like, what they like and the stuff that... But what's the stuff that you don't like? What What are the things that you want to skip? Um, and for me, one thing that I've done in recent years is just, like, you know what? One common truism in fiction, especially screenwriting, to start as late as you possibly can, which means you a lot of G, a lot of fucking beginning writers and storytellers they'll start a story like, oh, uh, uh, Mary Sue woke up and got dressed for work, and then she went to work, and then she had lunch, and then Godzilla shows up and alarm starts. alarm clock uh, yeah, story. Yeah, 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 alarm yeah. clock story. So. Why didn't you just start with, like, your word, Godzilla steps on the building next to you. What do you do? Like, that's where you start the game. Like And so for me, I hate – I try and cut out as many of those yeah, bits I, where there's really nothing to do for and the and so, yeah,
1: it's I, I've heard – I think you described it other people. it's yeah, There's, like, GRPGs don't need the cut scene in the beginning to get yeah. you to the action.
0: Yeah. So I try to minimize – and sometimes that – I go too far, I think – I might have gone too far in some of the games where it's just like, yeah, there's shit happening and players are just like totally lost. Um, or, I mean, it's hard to strike, but that's, that's what frustrating thing for me are these, these bits where I know like the thing I want the players all doing, or the, the uh, 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 I want players all doing things at the same time. Like they're, they're all engaged. they all have stuff to do. So like, the classic scenes, like, oh, there's a room that everyone can search and they can use their skills on or a murder scene or something like that. But I don't want the scene where everyone's just walking to a place or traveling to a place or a scene where only one player can do anything. Everybody else is just sitting on their hands. So I try to minimize those, but that's hard to do a lot of times. So yeah, I don't know.
2: Um, uh, no, it's a good aesthetic. Like when we were in the Dirty World game when you were in China and yeah. I kind of pitched it to you, the basic yeah. premise was like, All the characters are going to be involved in a murder of a guy, but it turns out they murdered the wrong guy, and it leads to, uh, you know, drastic consequences no matter how well they plan it. And so my plan was that. we decide reasons why you would want to kill this one guy and the whole first session is like committing the murder and then the rest of the campaign starts. And you brought up on Gchat reasonably, you know, yeah. all from across the other side of the earth, uh, why don't you just start with them having done the murder? Yeah. And so, yeah, we did that. I was like, there's a dead guy. You guys killed him. And they're like, who is he? And, <laughs> and I'm like, there's a name. We're like, why did I kill him? I don't know. Why'd you kill him? And like, that was the rest of the game. And it was much more fun as a result of that. So yeah. Aaron
0: did not like that.
1: Uh, well, what
0: does Aaron like? Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, he wants
1: to and be an Autobot Paladin. That uh, okay, that, okay. That did lead to one of the greatest lines. Is just like we were we we just came here to scare him? Like, well, he seemed pretty fucking terrified <laughs> to me. <laughs>
3: yeah,
2: uh, yeah. So, yeah, that wasn't Aaron's style. I think Aaron really plays for fellowship and aggravation. Yeah. Like, yeah, make the same character, roll the same dice. Yeah, hang talk out, talk with your buddies. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, and there, yeah, and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but yeah, so tell me, I mean, what are the frustrating bits to you? I
1: mean, like. Uh, um, that's actually that, that it's the yeah, the cutscene is actually one of my yeah. big ones, too. It's all. I guess also, well, I mean, I know you prefer action games, so uh, if but, you have an element of mystery or like, do you try and avoid those or like? I well, mean, it's I've been trying to run some mystery stuff. Yeah. Because I figure like you know it's I, sh- I shouldn't just stick within my comfort zone right, but for me you know I like, just flat out mysteries are still kind of challenging, yeah because you know it's event you know because the clues that are there like and I just like can't they just fucking know it to I me mean, okay Jesus Christ so like waiting on the players to like something you think is
0: obvious and the players don't pick up on it yeah I, that's actually a big frustration mm-hmm. of mine too because that uh,
1: that happens no well, matter what course. you do. Or in like, the case of Call of Cthulhu, like failing the spot hidden rolls, where you go, oh for fuck, surely someone in this group is going to make it. Yeah, uh, that's true,
0: uh, and that's again that li- literally why the entire soup system was written because that was such a common problem, I think. Um, and and that, that that yeah. So Caleb, um, oddly enough, that's not like a big thing for me, even really? though it happens. Like, yeah, because it has
2: happened in a lot of mystery games that I've run. But, like, I think it's just because I'm a teacher. Yeah. Like, and so I Socratic method you guys all the time. Yeah. So what did you find here? Yeah. And what did you find there? <laughs> and if you were this person, why would you have those, that thing there and that thing there? Yeah. And eventually you're like, ah. Oh. And I, I basically just told it to you. Yeah. But the player still gets engaged and they still get yeah. to feel the moment of discovery, which is what the game's all about. So I don't think, like, people don't have fun. Yeah. Even though, except maybe now that I've told you I'm doing it. Yeah. Um, so that doesn't bother me so much. Like, the the thing that bothers me when I'm GMing is the thing that bothers me when I'm teaching. Even though it's, like, the main purpose of the task is, like, when I'm trying very hard to engage players and get them involved in the story. Whatever they want their story to be. Like, I'm not yeah. railroading them. Just, like, what's your backstory? What's your motivation? Why are you with these people? Why are you doing these things? Yeah and i can't like it's when you bash up against that wall of just they're not really getting it not really feeling it and you're you're trying everything you can to meet them halfway and it's not happening that's the most frustrating thing for me yeah
0: uh i yeah i and i can see that especially uh in some scenes when the players are not engaged and it, it, it's hard to do that, I mean, for me, that doesn't bother me as much because i I take you know what the narrative is whatever happens, so if the players you know are just playing disconnected characters, well all right, you know fine, we'll just move on um and but I don't know Tom what, uh,
1: any thoughts on that yeah engage yeah, players so. yeah I, I, mean, I i've seen it I've seen it happen before you oh, know, yeah. right? and' it's, all you really can do is just move on yeah. Yeah, because but- if the GM, if you start worrying about it as a GM, you're going to start yeah. kind of like stuttering, as it were, as yeah, in yeah. the game, trying to uh, like trying to reengage, and eventually you might find out this situation is not going to reengage. No, and you're going to waste a lot of time trying to trying to fix it.
2: Well, I mean, I don't do that though. like I'll just cut players off, like yeah. if they're on their phone or not participating, or yeah do, yeah, I just don't address their character and they yeah. you know become sort of stands a lot in the corner. <laughs> um, but yeah, it still like irks me a bit, like yeah. uh, and so I, I suppose that's what frustrates me. Yeah, the most is that when you have that varying level, because it it's just because you know you can get something where like it really
0: pops at the table and everyone's engaged, and
2: tense and into
0: it.
3: Yeah.
2: Um. So,
0: I think I mean part of it is is also just the expectation of the players. I mean, because we were ta- asking them to be attentive for like you know three or four you know hours at a time, and having that kind of focus the entire time is hard, In- impossible. Yeah. yeah. And I don't think I'm like unreasonable on that, but yeah. like. There's a major
2: encounter, or yeah. like this yeah. big spotlight scene, or, yeah. or something like that. You know,
1: it's yeah, moments. I, like I do kind of, that. of think if the group yeah. players have broken up and it's the other pl- group of players doing their thing. Yeah, I often will just I'll I'll be l- keeping listening, but I'll be doing something just to kill time. Yeah,
2: yeah, I, I yeah I get it. I understand. I'm not engaged at the table all the time yeah. either, but um, you know I can be drawn back in. Yeah. Uh, I think so. So, and I think I'm just mainly concerned about it because I'm playtesting a game now, and like I'm really hypersensitive to that because I need to know like are the mechanics are turning people right. off, or is it the scenario, or did they just right. get a text? Like, I, I've got to clarify like what is the reason for that lack of engagement, and is it fundamental enough that I need to rewrite something? Yeah. So like the the negotiation mechanics like the first time everybody was like Ugh, what uh, yeah. uh, whereas last night everyone was like. <gasps> <laughs> what, what's he gonna do next? How are we gonna, and I'm like, okay, this is working way better. Yeah. So like, I'm really sensitive to that lately. So I guess that's what irks me the most. Um, Yet again, I take my fun too seriously.
0: Yeah. I uh, to go back to something I kind of mentioned a little earlier on, but I think scenes where I feel like that I that I set up as a GM that I feel like I didn't do a good enough job setting the scene up to get players engaged in the first place. Like there are a lot of times there will be a scene that's optimized for one or like not every player can participate in there or equally like negotiations are like social scenes between one player and one NPC, like a negotiation where the other players have to sit on their hands. And I just feel like it's my fault because I set this up in such a way that the other players can't do anything. I really want to, ideally I would like every single scene where all players can like do something and be participant. Like that's why combat I think is such a great I mean, it's so used as a game mechanic or narrative conflict generator because everybody's involved in combat. Everybody has a lot of meaningful decisions to make every fucking round. Mm-hmm. And I want every scene to be as active as combat. And well, you can't always do that. Yeah. It's impossible to do. But I want it anyway. And it's frustrated me when I know, like, okay, I have to do this scene with Tom. Caleb's character's going to have to sit, because Tom's sneaking and hacking the panel and doing all thing to let the rest of the group in. Everybody else has to wait for Tom to open the door. And like, that's frustrating to me on multiple levels. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, I, but I don't com- know what Tom does.
1: I mean, I admit like when, during the dog punching incident, there wasn't a single person checking their phone. <laughs> it was, well, I mean, that was kind of like rubberneck, like watching I did draw an entire
2: drawing though. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> whilst, running commentary on the yeah. dog
3: punch <laughs>
0: like
2: <laughs> I was not engaged in the All game right, just for the
0: listeners who <laughs> don't aware there's an unspeakable oath play, uh, unspeakable pod actual play podcast where Tom was running a world war 2 based scenario where German spies in America were, and we decided to kidnap a dude in broad daylight or like no,
1: David, you, and did. David and Aaron David and we send,
2: Aaron
0: we send the A team
2: to go <laughs> kidnap this guy Uh, They pose as vacuum salesman. (laughs) He has two German shepherds. Yeah. And they are not wanting to make any gunshot sounds. So they start... Punching the dogs. An hour and a half later, I shit you not, this co- this goddamn combat is still going on.
1: And they're dying. Yeah.
2: They're just whipping and whiffing. And, and the dogs, dogs keep are hitting. And well, not all the time. No, not the all the dogs- time, because it wouldn't have lasted an hour yeah, and a half. There's a lot of whiffing. And Ross and I are just staring at each other because, <laughs> like, our characters are just in the car, I guess. Just
0: <laughs> like, what's taking them so long? And so we weren't even there. Like, yeah. I would have just shot people. Like, I just would have, like, blown our cover, fuck it, Five stars GTA, let's go. Uh, but no, the fight finally did end where they broke out the guns. Yeah, because yeah, because they were getting down on hit point. <laughs> yeah. They were mauled by these drops. Yeah, it was. So yeah, you those scenes that like, especially yeah, you want like even a, a fight where like one player is like, you expect all the players to go down the dangerous dark tunnel with the like, <coughs> symbols of Cthulhu drawn on blood. And they're like, oh, the whole team's gonna go down there because like, hey. That's really scary. But the other words, now I'm going to stay at the coffee shop and do some more research. Like, really? You don't want to go with the rest of the team? Mm -hmm. Nah, I'm fine. So, like, the players encounter the cultists and you're like, okay, well, you're just going to sit on your hands for an hour because, you know, you stayed behind. But that's frustrating to me. Um, Um Yeah, I kind of ran into that like last night because like my goal of the intelligence
2: gathering kind of area of yeah. red markets is that while one person is doing the negotiations, everybody else is scouring the market, the economy yeah. that you're in to find information that's going to help with negotiations. Yeah. Uh, and we kind of did that, but I don't think I communicated it well enough. Right. Uh, so, But I, I mean, that frustrates me, but it's like, I'm like, okay, I immediately start thinking of ways I can do better on that. So yeah. it doesn't piss me off as bad as like... Yeah. Why won't you pay attention? Like yeah. this monster has your name written on it. Yeah. Like I designed this subplot for you. Look, look up. Look. <laughs> like yeah, that that's the stuff that just drives me up the wall. So
0: yeah. Um. So yeah, those are the kind of things uh, that frustrate. But I mean, what? A, I mean, we talked a little bit about what we want to maximize in games, but um, I think we should also talk about like what. Like, I mean, what's our bucket list for being a GM? And um, part of it for me is, like, what if, I have a couple. One I know, I mentioned this, before, I think, before in the podcast, is I want to do games that have a single villain, but they last more than one session. Or, like, you know, a campaign where it's more like it's not, when it's Friday the 13th, it's not like, Jason summons 30 zombies and a, a, a vampire and, a, you know, a bog spirit to do his bidding. Like you would, he's just, just fucking Jason, you know, and like, but the world of darkness and a lot of role playing games are set up to have multiple villains because the way the narrative mechanics work is players will almost inevitably one shot big villains because yeah. they will have, they will use whatever abilities they have. They will critically hit, burn out the willpower because they know what's important and they have enough narrative resources to guarantee that they can kill the big bad before anything else. So I want to create some sort of meaningful game or system where you can have one villain, the entire fucking time tribes of Tokyo was a step in that direction. Cause I want to make vampires just like, yeah, really fucking scary and really fucking tough. Mm-hmm. And that was, and so, yeah, that's one thing I definitely want to do is the, that I think tabletop games haven't really gotten is the one villain game, Uh one source, one bad guy. And that's it—just Freddy or Jason. Like Freddy's an entire campaign, yeah. but you—I I would never see that in the World of Darkness or in Call of Cthulhu. Because Call of Cthulhu, they always like they—they mon- they always do monster mash type shit. So, mm-hmm. um, I still haven't figured out how to do that quite yet. But I'm—it's on my bucket
1: list. So, uh, Tom, um, mine's mine's a total Tom yeah. goal. I really would like to do a successful campaign of monstrous heroes. Monsters here. Well, accursed. I think is ca- yeah. literally designed for just but yeah, that. But like, a campaign all, of it, where it's yeah. and it's not just because I think that's cool. It's because yeah, I want it to be uh, you know successful with the players as well. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of the
0: accursed. I mean, it looks like a very good game. Uh, I mean, for you also, I think just running an entire campaign for
1: RPPR. Yeah, because
0: we have you've done like I've done I've done a, I think four I think, or five. Yeah, hey. I've
1: done a I've done a successful five shot, which yeah. was that GURPS terminator TMNT, oh yeah right? uh leave extraordinary gentlemen yeah so uh
0: but you've done several uh, half campaigns but it's i think for you at least my advice is again start small yeah i like, do like a six do like three to six episode game that can be extended you know mm-hmm. like to get a second season <laughs> right your contract got renewed or <laughs> yeah so, so i don't know the kids love you yeah yeah exactly <laughs> you're hot in the right key demos it's like the tweens <laughs> stop drilling you hit yeah. oil <laughs>
3: yeah
0: <laughs> Uh, I don't know <laughs> the tumblers. Uh, <laughs> I just hate the word tween. <laughs> <laughs> really, it's not the awesome, cool term. No. Yeah, so yeah. All right, <laughs> Kale.
2: Um, I it kind of changes because yet again, I'm, I mean, this is like year three of me yeah. running stuff. So, um, I for like red markets, my big goal was like to rescue dungeon crawling from what little I've seen of it from yeah. the inherent sociopathy and like meaninglessness of it like I kill a thing I take its stuff I use that money to buy more things so I could kill more things and take their stuff like <laughs> like it just and so like oh, that's a lot of where red markets come from and that's why a lot of the jobs like when you get to the site are very dungeon crawly and I'm printing out like floor plans and like physically, where you're standing is very important, and yeah, um, and I think I'm getting there, so, yeah, I don't know what my next goal, maybe it is... I have another idea where it's well are there
0: story types that you have other
2: story types I'd like to write a game where like everyone is very smart and not very strong, like everyone is using their intelligence mm-hmm. as the primary means of tackling conflicts, yeah, rather than their dice, but like. It's, we talked about it a long time ago. Like, how much can you abstract rhetoric and, you know, strategy at the table? Like, yes, yeah. you got a nat 20 on your persuasion roll, but you told the guard. I am here for the bone solvent, like, <laughs> like, you know. Well, you let, that's
0: fucking bone solvent, like. Yeah,
2: no, yeah, but it's nonsense, like, like, how much can you abstract it, like, when you are, like, making bad decisions as a player, yeah. even though your character has How much it can an, they insulate you? Yeah, even though your character has an intelligence of a billion, so, yeah. uh, like, a Sherlock game where everyone is just, you know hyper-intelligent sociopaths gaming each other from a million different angles. Like, I'd really be interested to, like, try and write something like that, like, where your superpower is not that you're, you know, Buff McLarge-Huge and covered in M60s and katanas. (laughs) Like, you're... You're Sherlock, just, you're you're just crafty. Like yeah. you're just you're crafty and everyone's crafty and you're trying to out more chess like role playing, I suppose. Yeah. I mean you got there in Tribes of Tokyo. You're getting up there, Operation Black Dolphin. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, but like that's not on my character sheet. Like yeah. I did stuff to let me do that, but like Operation Black Dolphin is be, being anal retentive. Yeah. Like, you know <laughs> uh it's making an anal retentive character. Like yeah. that's very cross our T's, you know, yeah. all that kind of stuff. So uh yeah I I don't know I I think I'd try and do something like that yet but you know I haven't been doing it long enough I don't have a white whale it's just like yeah I haven't done this yet and then I try and make it work so yeah
0: I mean yeah I guess that's where I mean the whole one villain thing is sort of part of a larger thing with me where I want to run games or create games that haven't really been done in tabletop RPGs that aren't like esoteric exotic things but are like common narrative structures you see in movies or TVs or novels that you just don't see in table, like tabletop RPGs simulate. I mean, it's not their goal to simulate certain things, but they, they tell certain kinds of stories that, are kind of unique to table that have become kind of unique to tabletop role-playing games. Like you don't have game of Thrones so much. You, I mean, you like Lord, it like the dungeon dragons based on Lord of the Rings and the dying earth and Conan, the barbarian, but you don't see the exact kind of narratives that you would see from Conan or Lord of the mm-hmm. Rings. Uh, um, most of the time. Cause like Conan stories, he is an, he, even though he is a murder hobo, like he's by himself. There's no group with him, Uh but that could be fixed. But like he loses all his gold and money and frequently he's almost always penniless. And um he's pretty much his character after he becomes a full grown man, pretty much stays the same until he becomes a King. Like he, there's no real character growth um, and or character advancement. He doesn't like, gain a magical sword that like beheads everyone instantly, you know, or whatever. So Conan is not a like you don't see that in a role-playing game. Like he would either become he'd either gain a magical weapon in D and D and like or get some get, prestige class. Um yeah, he'd become you know all kind he'd be mooked up in all kinds of crazy shit. Uh and he'd have a gang following him and that kind of shit. Or, you know, uh in fate or something like that, he'd gain so many aspects and shit like that, he would get bogged down in one particular narrative, and that would be a story it doesn't wander around from thing to thing so uh I don't know it it's
2: well, n- now that you mentioned that like RPGs are inherently like emulationists like yeah. uh,
0: well, that's what they start out, but they become their own beasts they do
2: become their own beasts, and like so for instance, like red markets zombies you know I, i've I've heard people and I understand when they're like yawn yeah. zombies but like I do think I'm having an original take on it, and I do think that and the think point isn't the zombies yeah. And that uh, it is something that hasn't really been done before, like yeah, capitalism yeah, yeah. explicitly in game, um, as the monster. Yeah. <laughs> um, but dun, dun, dun. there are zombies, like it is zombies. So like, I guess like agony of influence might be my white whale. Like yeah. I would be thrilled if one day I could write uh, an RPG that teaches people the fiction of the setting that is not a wide known nerd tropey setting. And is still like a fun like you know, I could write Unknown Armies one day. I have no idea what the hell Unknown Armies is emulating other than like actual occultist documents like where they talk about, you know, archetypal magic and yeah. stuff like that. But well, there's like,
0: there are novels that it's based on, like or not directly, but influential. Yeah, influ- yeah, I get that, but like it's not widely known. Like
2: no. it's very much like yeah. its own beast and I think, I think every powers. game turns out that way, but yeah. Uh, yeah, like that sort of Constantine, uh, you yeah. know, kind of stuff, but uh, you know, something more original like that. Like you can teach the fiction of the game with the game. Yeah. Uh, it, to be abstract about it, that'd be something. Yeah, cool a lot of times you see day. like
0: the fiction that's based on the game, like, D and D novels are fucking terrible at this. From Dragonlines onwards. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, it's not the names. So it's just like <laughs> I just like the name. Drizzt got stabbed once. He. He started bleeding, he ran away, and then he passed out. Like, that's what you'd see in a novel or something like that. Because, yeah, you get stabbed with a sword, you bleed, and you pass out. Like, that makes sense. But in Dini, oh, that's six hit points. Yeah, fuck it. I don't care. You know, like, (laughs) I'm fine. Mm -hmm. You know? uh, So, Tom, I don't know. What about you? Any story types or white whales for you? Bucket list kind of things. Well. I I know you mentioned the campaigner, but, uh, but story types or, like, I don't know, anything else?
1: Actually there's one uh one type of game I really love to run. Yeah. Organization building. Oh, okay. Like yeah. a game where it's uh you start from basically like you know like from the ground up building like some kind of like either criminal organization or you know or something that you know where where you go from kind of nothing and then right. by the Red time X you're done riches. you're like you're like you know kingpins. Right. So, like, The Sopranos, the early years. Yeah, The Sopranos, Breaking
0: Bad. Oh, yeah, Breaking Bad would be a – I would love to play a Breaking Bad action game when we start with nothing and wind up with everything. Uh, That could be (laughs) – And nothing. (laughs) Well, yeah.
1: Zero humanity, all ten money. All right. right. I I mean, because, actually, I would love to do do that in, like, cyberpunk or something. Yeah, Cyberpunk would be hard to do. I would probably do it in, so, like... Well, Cyberpunk-ish, not the actual game of Cyberpunk, because... Well, setting-wise, yeah. Setting-wise. Yeah,
0: um, I mean... But if I
1: was, I'd was, i probably do GURPS or something if I was going to do that. Yeah,
0: GURPS would probably be what you have to do, because, like, again, the organizational stuff, like, mm-hmm. aside from Rain, uh, I don't know any games that really handle that. And GURPS has stuff for organization. We yeah. 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 have, like...
1: But yeah, uh, I would love to do a campaign that's with just... Focused right. on building something from the ground up.
2: I like that idea. Yeah, I mean, the, yeah, that would be the mass stuff is really hard to do. Like, yeah. any, anytime you have mass stuff, like, yeah. that's, I mean, Red Markets is about economies, but it's a micro economy yeah. simulator. Yeah. Like, you're trying to keep yeah. you and your little village alive. It's hot like, dog
1: stand. Yeah,
2: because, hot dog stand economy. Because, not, you know, I mean, nobody's I, trading like currencies or like yeah. defrauding natural debts Because you
1: know. I think it'd be kind of if, yeah. if difficult, but, but interesting where you'd really, it's at the beginning, you'd have to do all the stuff yourself. Yeah, but as it gets bigger, delegating, delegating, yeah, delegating is something that role playing games haven't done very well either. Like, yeah,
0: managerial type stuff, um, and I think yeah, that, there's a lot of ch- interesting games that could be done from that. Like you, you wouldn't have like I would love like a House of Cards type thing where you can't do everything yourself and you have to tap people. You know, oh, I want you to go to Pennsylvania to go get this guy to talk to the media about this. Yeah. you know, or I want to, I want to leave <laughs> something to a reporter and like managing those people and keeping them yeah. on your. And, side. Side.
1: And I'd love to throw, like I would lo- throw challenges like where like you know like say the mayor of the city you're in is cracking down on one of your one of your big you know money makers so yeah. instead of assassinating the guy you start you support a candidate against him who will be all for your stuff
0: yeah exactly stuff yeah. like that yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, I like that. I I, th- I think that'd be really good. Like the wire season three, something like that. Or, uh, yeah, I would like to
1: do it in like kind of like a was psych- that
0: the, what was the political uh, the season oh, two is the like season three, four, and five. Yeah, yeah, three, four, four.
1: Yeah, five. But yeah, I like to do that in like kind of a, like a cyberpunk setting.
0: Uh, yeah, I could definitely. Yeah, GIRPS
1: would be the best thing for that.
0: Yeah, that's that'd be another that'd be a- they do have or there is a supplement about organizational stuff like influencing societies and masses of people and shit like that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, um. And they also have stuff for like mass combat, um, which we did for which the Fallout game. Yeah,
1: and I I love that in the Fallout. Oh thing. yeah,
0: I wish we, I wish I could have done the Fallout thing because like starting a vault from zero and like uh, in the Ozarks because why not? <laughs> and Neo Branson, uh, <laughs> it was a great game, Caleb. You don't know what you missed. It
1: was it was really good. Uh, the Ghoul Town of Rolla. yes, because
0: yeah. they had a nuclear reactor there. Uh, all right. So, um, any last thoughts about GMing philosophies? I think we kind of given people abroad. I think, we, you know, a broad
1: I think our I think our thoughts have been well well shown.
2: <laughs> I mean, I think you should have your know your limitations, but at the same time, yeah. like I think you should actively seek to defy them,
0: <laughs> push like, them. Yeah. yeah, you should push your comfort
2: zone. You should try and do new stuff. Like do new
0: stuff. Um, be aware. Of what your players, what kind of funds your uh, type of fun that you want to do in a game, and what your players are wanting to get out of it, and
2: uh, yeah, always. Uh, so like, yeah, I'm I'm like noticing tropes in my own writing that I just have to get rid of, like, and because uh. they're like driving me nuts. But well, I think, I, 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 think I can make I, some I guesses, think... but I'd like to hear it from you. <laughs> no, you can you can make guesses. Oh. Uh, you'll you'll know. Uh, right. uh, like. Uh, I have far too many religious villains uh, yeah. I need to get rid of that uh, Really? After
0: Revelations? You weren't satisfied with it?
2: Well, yeah uh, <laughs> <laughs> No, I have far too many religious villains uh, Well, we forced the one on you I think they make excellent bad people yeah. Like uh, The hypocrisy angle is a good thing for a, a bad guy but like, I need to find other ways to make bad guys you know? Yeah. Uh, I, I know I always have investigative games but I am yeah. trying I, like Dungeon World yeah definitely minimizing that yeah. along with everything else that's good. <laughs> uh so you know um, right,
0: the meat punk aspects is still pretty uh, cr-
2: yeah that's new yeah. uh so yeah, I think you just need to try and you know challenge
0: yourself from time to time All right, mm-hmm. yeah, so you need to do action and you need to do investigations and so what do I need to do uh in that case uh since um I need to have more realist plots that don't have nonsensical metaphysical endings. Uh. Ross, who are we to show? You said it, not
2: me.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I still love when you. I still when you were talking about nice Black Agents. Like, I don't think he's going to do any mythos. Stuff. I didn't you know? think he was going to do
2: it. You son of a bitch,
1: you got me. <laughs> you got me there at the end.
0: Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I need to do a non-Cthulhu mythos. Yeah. Campaign. No Cthulhu's and carcosis. No. Oh no. Oh man. <laughs> this is hard. Uh, yeah. Oh man. I'm sad now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. So that's something to think about. Um, so when we come back, we'll have. Uh, shout outs and anecdotes uh tom does not have a letter but i
1: figured yeah we got a th- we got a threesome going on here in this, on this episode so. oh yeah <laughs> all right uh, we're all right. the way down to the head
0: And we're back with music that I haven't selected yet. So, but I'm sure you guys—we'll be as surprised
2: as you are. I love that band. Yeah, (laughs) or
0: DJ, or singer, or drum circle. We we just don't know yet. It's 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 a surprise. Or wind chimes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, No, no. We're not that. That's too avant garde. Yeah. No wind chimes. Not now. Not ever. So uh, shout outs. Um, As I have mentioned, I uh, went to Asia last month and. Uh, I read a book there. Shout out, Asia. Yeah. Uh, China, Cambodia, the Philippines, uh, and <laughs> Hong Kong. Uh, which is You're a, on
1: the map now. We yeah. mentioned you. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> now you're a real country. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, no, there's a book there uh, I, I read while I was in uh, China called Snakehead, which is about human smuggling. Uh, the region I was in in China was Guangzhou uh, or a city I was in was Guangzhou. I was in the, the Fujianese region where a lot of basically a lot of the Chinatowns you see in America are filled with immigrants from the Fujianese region. Uh, who go to America. And so the Snakehead is talking about, Snakehead is their term for human smuggler, you know, like, I'll pay you $10,000 U.S. if you get me to America so I can work as a dishwasher for five years under the radar. Uh, And so it talks about this one incident called the Golden Venture, where in 1993, a a ship with, like, three, an old fishing boat, like, 300 crossed the Atlantic Ocean, went all the way, like, from Africa to uh, uh, basically the, I think it was New Jersey, or New York, wash up on shore there and the people like some of them drowned uh the coast guard had to rescue them because it was uh, a bad night and a huge international incident because the government didn't know what to do with all these people uh because this was during the 90s and like Tiananmen Square and blah 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 uh so was a big complicated thing so part of this book is talking about the backstory of these people who are on this boat and how they had to get from China to New York and they talk about this journey, this one guy who like left from China, went across the golden triangle across Burma and had to wait there for a few weeks so they could get money. So the smugglers could get paid like his, you know, his parents, his family had to send money to the smugglers. And so he had to wait in the camp of this warlord, uh, and like be his drinking buddy, uh, in the, yeah, while they were making opium, uh, or making, you know, uh, heroin and everything. Uh, and, so – well, he didn't have to do that, but that's what the warlord was doing. And so – and then he goes from there to Thailand to these city hotels to Africa and, like, some of the, the refugees there – got or the immigrants there got so fed up waiting with the, the smugglers to figure out how to get them to America that they, like, opened a restaurant in, in Mombasa and just stayed there. And, like, it's just huge, huge epic, like, Ulysses-esque odyssey of, like, going from one side of the world to the other. Uh, And I thought that's a great idea for a role-playing game scenario where, like, Call of Cthulhu or something like that where the players are all, like, immigrants trying to get somewhere illegally. And it turns out one of their people there is, you know, someone not who who they seem to be, you know, like, oh, shit. Uh, Chan over there is fucking cut his cut carved weird symbols into his chest again uh, and he keeps talking to himself in his sleep but what should we do about it and then oh, it's three of our people went missing last night what are we going to do about this so like I see that I mean or there are a number of other or you know finding something in Burma or something like that I mean there's numerous scenarios about these people where the players are by their nature, criminals or they're refugees or they're just desperate people, so they can't go to the cops or anything. But i I, do- want, I want to see a fantasy game like this. Yeah, yeah.
2: I re- I'm going to be a singer in the Forgotten Realms. Yeah, like. Yeah.
0: <laughs> 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 Got to cross the border. <laughs> yeah, from the Doomland. Uh, uh, yeah, I could see that, but like I like the idea of like someone with very little trying to survive and deal with some sort of horrific, you know, encounter. Because instead of being a, you know a well equipped you know federal agent or something like that like do that with nothing to your name like i think that would add a certain level of uh uh challenge and uh narrative so that's my first one snake ed great read uh highly recommended uh keo do you want to talk about true detective uh it's the greatest show ever
2: (laughs) and i love it and everyone should be watching it uh yeah i first learned about it when shane ivy Just gushed all over Facebook about it. Yes, uh, about how amazing it is, and uh, we we watched the first couple episodes, and it is just hypnotically insanely good. Like, if you pitched the show to me, I would call you like insane, like a (laughs) Nietzschean nihilist. texan cop pairs up with a <laughs> yeah. shitty louisiana ho- 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 husband and detective yeah. and they solve mysteries like but oh god it's so
0: so good yeah so good it really is um so uh you should want and it has a huge shout out to one certain figure that i'm very fond of uh yes yeah without spoiling anything but yeah. it is uh fantastically wonderfully good yeah. as a show um, also, speaking about horrific things, uh, I want to mention a book that I'm reading right now called The Shock Doctrine uh, by Naomi Klein. <laughs> yep. Yeah. It's about the Shock Doctrine posits the theory of like the Chicago School of Economics, the effect that's had on the third world and developing countries. Basically, uh, neoliberal, neoliberalism is about uh, mass privatization of state assets. Uh, or basically, the idea is when a government or a state is in crisis, You can go in and make a lot of radical policy changes, like, uh, and it shows about the effects of that, like, from Pinochet in Chile uh, in the 1970s to Russia in the 1990s to, uh, well, Louisiana after Hurricane Katrina, bringing it back to True Detective, and... Um, it's a controversial book There's a lot of people who've pointed out errors in it And that kind of thing So uh, if you read it you should definitely read up on it And like decide for yourself Whether you agree with this thesis uh, But it's a f- I mean I'm not as aware of like The politics of like south africa as it was breaking free of apartheid and that kind of thing so like getting these accounts of like what happened in these countries and what the order of events was i mean i'm an american i i I may be well educated by american standards but that means i am still woefully ignorant of world history and world current events especially in the later 20th century uh and late and more recent so uh it's a good look at And one of the points the books makes is people always think about the politics of, like, the apartheid and human rights abuse and stuff like that, but they they ignore why they do that, which are often economic policies um, that favor certain groups over others or favor certain businesses over others. And, like... People talk about Pinochet killing all these people. They don't understand why he did it or like what, the, who benefited from that. And uh, so that it's not, even if you don't agree with that those those thesis, if you think that's you know liberal hogwash or whatever, uh, I urge you to look at the book and then do your own you know study of it. It's very much like a
2: list of. You know, Marx said that capitalism can only expand and find new markets with conflict. Like it breeds, yeah. it breeds on conflict and war. Yeah. Uh and you know, regardless of what you feel about it, but Marx um, you know, he has pretty good indictments of capitalism, regardless yeah. of whether you think communism is the answer. Uh, yeah. But it's very much like a list of examples, like whereas yeah. Marx just laid down that thesis. Shock doctrine is very much like, well, here's what he's talking about, and here's another chapter, and here's another chapter, and it's
0: yeah, kind of exhaustively
2: depressing in that
0: regard. It, it, it like I said, it was very, it, pretty horrifying to read. Uh, so um. Then uh you speaking of economics, why are you eco Uh yeah, so i'm
2: I'm making a game that is largely based in economics yeah uh, but I am struggling on the fact is that I am terrible at math yeah. um, but it, economics has so much more to do with other things other than math. It's one small component of you know, Social policy and history, and uh, all, you know all the other stuff that goes into it. Um, and uh, if you want to talk about writing that doesn't flow,
0: yeah,
2: you know, read some dense economic texts, which I've done some, but like others, I just can't get oh, through. Yeah. So, Eco Comics is very good, and it's recommended by a number of economics because this guy has this uh, guy has done this wonderful—I um, forget his name—but uh, he he's done this wonderful Freshman. history of economic history of economic theory. Uh, so it's not organized according to fundamentals, which is what I studied for red markets. Or it's organized according to like major ideas and thinkers in the field. And it's a lot like uh, Action Philosophers if you've ever read that comic. Oh yeah, it's very much like kind of funny and you know kind of ridiculous examples, but at the same time, like it's very accurate and it's a very good way to get a primer on the subject. Uh, so Eco Comics, if you're interested, he has a 27 page, uh, you know le- comic book lesson so to speak uh, on free trade agreements and why they are bad uh, (laughs) in his opinion uh, online for free and that's pretty much the style
0: the whole book is drawn in but it's very cool. Alright, awesome. Also probably pretty depressing <laughs> at certain angles. Well, uh, the pictures are funny. And oh, everybody well. has big heads, there so it's fine. Well, speaking of big heads and uh, funny pictures, uh, <laughs> there's a manga I uh, also read recently <laughs> called One Punch Man, uh, which I think everyone should read because it is oh, insanely hilarious. It's basically a sort of comedic deconstruction of every manga, heroic manga, action comic, and Dragon Ball Z ever. Or, uh, Dragon Ball Z-esque tale ever. Because basically the premise is uh, there's a guy – uh, just a normal office worker who sees this kid being picked on by a lobster a crab man. Like and the crab man's like, You you damn kid, you drew nipples on my shell. And like <laughs> the guy's like, Hey, stop doing that. And the crab man is like, No. And uh, the, the the worker is motivated by seeing this injustice to become a hero. So he just works out for five years he loses all his hair because of that because uh, you know, he works out so much <laughs> and so then he starts fighting crime starting these monstrous bad guys and villains start appearing and he fight. but the thing is he's so strong he defeats everyone he meets with one punch and like that's there's this whole club organization of heroes, and they all have categories power rank, like oh you're B C rank, you're A rank, you're S rank, oh my god. But like he he just defeats everyone with one punch, and so like there's literally like a ten chapter uh, narrative where this monster comes out of the ocean, starts killing everybody, and the hero, oh I'll defeat him. They gets his ass kicked, he gets his ass kicked, and all the heroes get their ass kicked, and finally finally meets One Punch Man, and One Punch are like you're a dick and just punch punches him to death in one punch and just like this massive two page spread uh and it's hilarious because it just goes it like there's a cyborg that falls like teach me your way insane like okay all i did was run 10 kilometers every day for two years and did 100 push-ups and 100 sit-ups I'm like what that's just basic strength training how could you do that and so it's hilarious. Go online. You can find comics of it, um, fan translations of it. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's insanely hilarious. And it's ongoing, so it's still going on. I think he, after 50 chapters in he might have found a bad guy that could survive one punch from him. So, I mean, maybe this is the narrative twist. Oh, um, there, Cthulhu. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so speaking of bad guys, you uh, had another illustrated thing you want to talk about, the illustrated Guide to Criminal Law.
2: Oh, yeah, uh so since I got eco comics and I'm working my way through that, I figured that uh I, there are other subjects which I am not smart enough to understand yeah um that I should bone up on uh because what prompted this is that i'm I'm trying to learn more about contracts so that I can uh you know secure freelancer work, whatever yeah. the red markets thing goes down. <laughs> um, and I I learned that contracts do not have to be in nonsensical legalese, which yeah. I can parse if I have like two days and can stay awake. Yeah, but uh, it, it could just be like you're gonna do this thing for me, and I'll give you this money for it. And yeah, you know, um, so I'm trying to learn more about that, but it is you know like. Beyond just like how you could write a contract, it's very dense, like learning why certain things are there and what the yeah. um so it, it it's interesting because this this is you know you know funny <laughs> pictures again on very dense subject matter so uh you know it, it's very it, they have lots of ridiculous kind of examples um it's like that podcast where they do superhero law like they, oh yeah, yeah yeah that that one's very interesting, so I also think that'd be a funny game like if you were just the lawyers for superheroes yeah. Uh so I was kind of you know investigating that for maybe some project <laughs> one day but it's uh, a good book and it's interesting to learn about that kind of stuff because cool. they don't have to tell you if they are a cop. <laughs> they don't they really don't. In oh, fact man. they probably shouldn't
0: <laughs> for all sorts of reasons. <laughs> man. I I I'm still going to say it though. My character's still going to say, it. "Are you a cop?" They'd still be a cop. <laughs> If I say it enough, it'll become true.
2: Yeah, yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah, um, of course, there's one game that we've uh, or Kayla, and I have both been playing. I think Tom's probably gonna pick mm. it up soon. Uh, there's Dragonfall is out for Shadowrun Returns, and it's much better than the original. Uh, Dead Man's Hand, uh, Dead Man's Switch, uh, Dead Man's Hand, I'm pretty sure. Uh, the original is, or no, Dead Man's Switch. Um, I don't really care anyway, it's set in Berlin. Uh, first few missions are already better than anything I've seen in Dead Man's uh, the original Well, gameplay. they've learned their lesson in that like, they learned the lesson that Mass
2: Effect's learned like, yeah. in game one. And like, in Dead Man's like, you've got like, one or two people that are story characters that you can bring along with you, but yeah. if they die for any reason, they're out of the game. Like, yeah. but the dialogue doesn't compensate for that. So yeah. like, people still talk to them and they just don't respond because they're not there, yeah. which kind of has a creepy... Garfield without Garfield
0: (laughs) yeah I never got that I never had them killed off
2: yeah uh, and then like you have to hire all your runners and they're just like literally faces and boxes of stats that go along with your single character and it's like but no you have like a whole cast of NPCs now and you can actually have them use their expertise rather than you having to know how to deck or you yeah. having to know how to do mat like always pen- bring a decker now. So Yeah, and, and 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 like they don't penalize you for not playing a class that you didn't want to play. Uh,
0: there are a couple of times the wire comes up, but like uh, It's not as bad. Like you can't have your
2: decker bad. go deck and you can't have your healer make the biotech check yeah. and you can have the, the cream when they're with you but yeah yeah but you have to bring them along that's fine like that's an aspect of player choice but like i cannot be a decker somatic mage sorcerer you know whatever so
0: well i mean the thing is that there are lots of scenes where you're by yourself and so those yeah if you don't have the biotech yeah uh, or whatever you
2: can't but then you're still in a community and they've got a cast of characters that are selling you stuff and like You've got your core group of players, and they have story dialogue that you can get involved in. You know, very good RPG practices. Yeah, uh, that were not entirely present in the first one. Yeah. So
0: no, they, it's it's a much better design, uh, far more interesting plot uh, so far. I'm really intrigued by it. the side missions, quests, the the just the design of the, like there's a lot more side missions now. That mm-hmm. are just shadow runs. Yeah. And they're the first one I did. The Humanist Political Club one was just like really well designed. And very interesting. Although it is buggy. It's still really buggy because Shadow on Returns. <laughs> yeah. Mine has been less buggy. Yeah. But uh, I, I see what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. It's there. Like I didn't kill a guy, even though I wanted to kill him. But then everyone's like, "Oh, you killed that guy! No bonus for you." That's like, not a bitch. I don't even get the satisfaction to kill it. It's him. like the reverse problem of the first one. Yeah, uh,
3: <laughs>
2: talking to dead people like he's still alive. Pretending alive people are dead.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Very good way of putting it. Um, a couple more. Um, you mentioned a comic you, you wanted to mention uh, that sort of Red Markets research.
2: Uh, yeah, the Massive by yeah. Image. That's a really it's a really good book. It's about um, a. Extremist environmentalist group think like Sea Shepherd, like yeah. we're gonna throw chains into your propeller, like protect whales with our own lives, like yeah. But they are still, let's say, type pacifist, like not killing people. So uh, the premise of the massive is that the ninth wave, this environmental group, have two ships. Uh, they have the Capital that is run by uh, Callum Israel and this group of like. Citizen of the world ex child soldiers and like really extreme people who are like trying to kind of repent. Yeah. And then your usual like uh you know, and volunteerism, you know, people from very around the world are also on the ship. But uh while they're on the ship there is this massive ecological disaster. Yeah. Uh, also called The Crash, uh, and I, I am interested in putting more, like, uh, climate change stuff in my game, so yeah. I've been reading up on it. And they are just, like... And they're searching for this their other ship, which they can't... This is always on the edge of their radar. And as at the end of every issue, it's, like, still on the edge of their radar, but they never get any closer to it, called The Massive. Yeah. And so it's got this kind of, like very subtle David Lynchian, like waiting for Godot surrealist vibe. Yeah. Like searching for this ship that endlessly, Uh, but then, you know, there are, they do run into trouble with various like uh, post-apocalyptic scenarios. And it's interesting because, you know, they are very good at not being pacifists, but they are pacifists. So like seeing them solve problems is, is interesting. It's a new take on a comic post-apocalyptic comic book where they're not like actively just trying to murder everything.
0: Nice. Uh, And one one show uh, also kind of bleak uh, I'd like to mention is the Black Mirror, which is a UK, like Twilight Zone meets the internet. Uh, So they're the, I've only seen the first season, which is just three episodes, but each one is a standalone story of a uh, what happened, like implications of social media and the internet uh, in a very twilight zone kind of way. Uh the first episode is <laughs> the most absurd uh and kind of it's like the princess gets kidnapped in of course it's in London and the the terrorist the hostage taker's single demand <laughs> is that the prime minister of England uh f- fuck a pig uh on live television and like with special specifications that it can't be faked like like rotating moving cameraman uh shit like that and it's just like what i'm not gonna fuck a pig we need to find her so it's like you know a uh, but it's this absurd kind of thing uh and it's just like wow yeah no it, it goes out there <laughs> and that's the first episode the second two are kind of like uh t- more dystopian in the uh future kind of sense uh like there's actually in a very eclipse phase one where like people have like a chip that stores their memories and can play it back on tv screens so like what happens when there's always a good idea oh man it's <laughs> like i had an interview at work oh well at the dinner party why don't you show us your interview like uh, i don't really want to oh i'm sorry <laughs> oh don't be a fuddy <laughs> And uh, what happens with a couple of us has uh, uh, rumors of infidelity. Oh, man, that's going to be a great thing (laughs) when you have a chip in your brain that can prove it or disprove it. Um, And then finally, uh, Sojourn, uh, which is a new uh, anthology of sci-fi put out by the people at Fear the Boot. It has uh, uh, 15 stories in it. Uh, It's available now. Uh, It has a lot of great authors. Uh, from the uh, not just the fear of the boot people but you also recognize names like Matt Forbeck uh, who is a well-known RPG designer um, so you uh, it's gotten good reviews and it's available on Amazon right now so you should take a look uh, I haven't had a chance to read it yet I'll probably get it uh, between I just found out about it myself so I'll probably start reading it between this and have a for more, better review of it for the <laughs> next episode Um so finally, uh, Tom, I don't even. Uh, ha- uh, 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 why don't you start off the anecdotes about Aaron's uh, adventures recently? So, because uh, we first we, so we talk about playtesting at red markets and uh, things like that. Why don't you set the scene for Aaron's ad- first foray into red markets?
1: Uh, uh, let's see. Because we were. Yeah, we were, uh, we were going through a town and. Uh, uh i i i re- well, was a field like was we were a- in a field it was the
0: uh, the one i'm thinking about is the trumpeter scene so um
1: oh that yeah, yeah. going through a field and uh we can, uh, we start hearing this trumpet music and of course um aaron by the way plays a trumpet played a trumpet uh, before they left. yeah so I think I think this way. For some, I think on a subconscious level, he was wanted to go check this out. One right of away. my own, I must rescue him. <laughs> yeah. So and he just runs over there. Yeah. I make so we we,
0: we uh, go over to check it out mm. and um I sneak over uh, and I use my my character sees that there's a guy up in a tree and he's playing the bugle mm. or the trumpet and but Aaron makes his athletic check. And he gets there I know, first. It was an awareness check, an awareness check, and he crit fails it. Yeah, so <laughs> he
2: runs right into uh, the reason the guy is in the tree is he's treed by zombies, and he's using the trumpet mm-hmm. to get you to um, closer to him <clears throat> so that they try and eat you,
0: and he can get away.
1: And uh, gotta say, worked like a charm. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Because, okay. So yeah, Aaron's first reaction to the stumbling forward seeing the zombies, he was like not. Right up on them immediately. He was like... <coughs> you, you, you didn't put them at zero shamble, right? Like, no. No. Yeah. They, they were a ways away. Yeah. But Aaron's only weapon at this point is a machete. A no, uh, machete. A machete. Uh, but or,
2: you have a shotgun. Yeah. And... Uh, Bill has a Bill bone. Bill has a bone arrow. I have a, sh- I have a sledgehammer, but I'm a latent. And, he, he, and, and Tom is playing a latent class, which means that he is infected by the zombie virus already... It's just dormant, and it's not going to kick in until he dies. Yeah. Uh, It's not going to turn him into a zombie until he dies. So it means I I don't have to worry about infection. So you don't have to worry about infection because you're already infected. Mm. Yeah. So (laughs) uh, Ross shoots, and uh, Bill shoots, and he critically succeeds, and he starts taking him down and uh, Aaron has a whole turn to, like, run away. Uh, Tom runs forward and starts wading into them. Because that's kind of what I'm hired to because do. Because what your job is, like, that's yeah. the job of latency. And Actually, I didn't shoot the zombies. I shot the guy when he tried to yeah, run Yeah, you did shoot the guy. But, yeah. and then Aaron's choice is, like, I'm going to kill zombies, too. And the way the yeah. game works is that you have an action and a reaction. So, like, you can be defensive and spend both of those to dodge. Or you can, uh, you know you know, be extreme and spend both of those attack. But anytime else, I don't roll dice. Like, everything's a player-facing choice. What happens, happen. And we had explained this and done this before in the game. Yeah, it point. already happened once. At which point, so Aaron's like, I'm going to spin my action. I'm going to charge at him.
1: I'm like, okay. I, I remember there's a, there, there was a brief pause in the group, and we all kind of looked at each other. And
2: then I'm like, and then I'm going to attack. All right, Aaron, that's your second action. He's like, yeah. I'm like... So they're going to hit you. Like, the zombies are going to grab you in this turn if you don't spend it to dodge. Like, you will be focused on attacking one, and the other yeah, are going I to know storm what I'm off. Doing. No, I got it. I got this. Yeah. And so, well, like... He got it. He misses on the attack. <laughs> and so... And the zombies don't. Just bite the shit out of him, like, all over his body. So I roll the infection check. And he's, in secret, yeah, in secret, and he is totes infected. <laughs> uh, he's just like, "What happened? I can't believe." It. I'm, just, I'm just like,
3: "Oh, oh, yeah, Aaron."
0: But gone. then later on, we did get to the town, uh, yeah, because we we don't know if he's infected or not. We actually we think he made it because we had a blood test, <laughs> but it's mine. Yeah. But it failed. But it failed because Tom's. <laughs> Unit is is rigged rigged. so it always gives a false because so he can get into towns, like, uh, yeah. But then we we thought thought we unrigged it so we could do an accurate blood test, but you
2: critically failed, yeah. Unrigging,
0: yeah. So we're like, yeah, he's fine, (laughs) he's fine, (laughs) he's fine. Good, you're lucky this time. And uh, so we go to a town, wild dogs attack us like they do, (laughs) and um, in which. Everyone hides, except Aaron, yeah. who goes to pet the dog. Uh, uh,
1: yeah, I he, think, yeah,
0: I, he's trying to play with the Chihuahua,
1: feeding yeah. it. And I'm like, I'm going to hide. Uh, I don't know what's going on. Uh, even me as the latent, like, I'm going to hide.
0: Chihuahua and a zombie apocalypse, that's a bad sign. <laughs> it's not good. That's not like, you no. yeah, uh, Yeah. It's not like a bunny. So all the other dogs come out, and they start chasing Aaron. We're already on rooftops. <laughs> I killed the dog that's chasing him Which in hindsight was a bad idea But Aaron <laughs> fails It was the sand checks that he failed That uh, Yeah to, like your when your infection goes up
2: Your 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 humanity keeps going down Until yeah.
0: there's no more And then you become one
2: of them uh, A vector at that yeah. point which are the fast the 28, 28 days, days later. later yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, so he turns it on, and then Ross blows his head off with a shotgun. <laughs>
0: Whoops. Yep. And oh, wait. The trigger was we killed a dog, and Aaron stopped to look at the meat.
2: And yeah, he wanted to eat it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so that was the end of Aaron's first Red Markets character. Yeah. Uh The game's not that brutal anymore. Yeah. But yeah, with his it fra- wasn't that brutal before. With his Fraggle his Rock P- name, yes, yeah, yeah. his Fraggle Rock name, because he's really taking the setting seriously. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, the set. But it's
2: it is nothing compared to the sense of sleight of hand game. Nothing compared to that. That <laughs> was, was
1: Bri- I was sick. I, that was
2: Bryson Springs levels of air and logic. All right, yeah. So Sorry, I, I, I was sick
0: during this game. This, this and you were lucky. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I think Tom would have enjoyed watching
1: this. I probably would have. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, yeah. So the players, um, for various reasons, are infiltrating a pirate lair that's in the middle of this uh, hollowed-out sort of rocky island. Like it's like there's a called there's a basically a uh, volcano. The
2: inside of an inactive volcano. Yeah, yeah.
0: And there's there's like water in there. There's a cave, but you can only go in. There's a cave that leads into this the middle. Of this. So think of a big. Um, watery pit that fills up whenever there's high tide at the top of it uh there yeah yeah um well yeah there's a cenote to get through it and then like there's a big watery pit when high tide it the water uh goes up high enough that you can get up there's a pirate shanty town built on the inside wall of the the top part of the pit if you uh, it's a little geographically complex but like that's that's the thing Um, so the players go there and they climb their way up at low tide to find their, to, to check it
2: out. And we sneak the entire way. Yeah. Uh, we get all the way to the top of the area where there's nobody there except stairs up to a temple and a monk
0: who is deep in meditation. Well, there are a couple other pirates, but they're like drunk or gambling. And And downstairs, like we're at the peak. So like three levels of the shanty town. Yeah. Yeah. So our,
2: we find out that they're holding prisoners. Yeah. We find out that they're like going to try and kill us and yeah. all this kind of stuff. They're so bad, bad people. We're being like ordered by Nodens to yeah. like destroy them. like you know, we know the mission. Yeah. So the plan is is that <clears throat> David, who has the highest sneak, is going to go set a fire as high up as he can, and because
0: it's on this slope. Yeah, you guys get trapped because high tide comes and the pirate ship comes back. So, like, you can't, the cave's like filled up with water now, and there's a pirate boat. Yeah. Pirates coming in. So,
2: and so this guy's on the slope, and uh, we're hoping that when a building collapses from burning, it's going to fall. Embers are going to launch more fire. They're going to go upwards and fight the fire, and we are going to go downwards and steal the boat and leave. Um, so that's our plan we discuss it Dave is going to go start the fire I am going to go try and free the prisoners and lie my way through and impersonate one of the guards
0: yeah you steal some clothes and do that
2: and we're like okay Aaron which one do you want to help out with or you want to do something else he's like I'm going to go up in the temple yeah and I'm like okay Aaron what are you going to do there there's no way out you're literally at
0: the I'm going to go up the stairs yeah and you and haven't then, been up to the stairs. You don't know what's at the top of the stairs. Yeah. There's so one I, way up and down the and, stairs.
2: And like, so he's like, no, I got it. And so we start questioning. But I've learned that, like, Aaron doesn't like to have his decisions questioned, Yeah. even when they lead to things that everyone could see coming. Uh, so we're like, OK. So David comes to light the fire. Uh, I go to free the
0: prisoners. And then we have the monk slapping incident. Yeah. That- so, Aaron, yes, sees the monk. He's meditating, but he's facing the stairs. So, Aaron can't sneak by on because it's just open ground. He can't make his sneak check. Yeah. It's daylight. And so, Aaron needs to take out the monk. And he has a sword with him. He, a magic sword. A magic sword. No less. But he, instead of u- – like, literally, instead of using the sword, he just charges. Like, he's hidden. The monk's got totally – he, he hasn't – but he totally – he just rushes to punch the monk. Like, that. that is his <laughs> – that is his action, not use the sword, not Thomas uh, got his head, yeah, rubbing his head. It's just, yeah. Uh, and He does one, one point of damage. So the monk is now aware of his presence and yells, intruder, intruder! And so there goes our plan. Yeah. Because uh, <coughs> so no plan survives contact with So the with monk Aaron. takes out a knife and stabs <laughs> Aaron but doesn't kill him. And so Aaron takes out his sword, kills the monk with the sword. Uh, Three pirates coming up to the third level block off his only way of escape unless he jumps down to the second level, which he can do, uh, but he doesn't do that. So uh, Aaron's asking if we could get help now, and at this point, on the areas
2: beneath him, there is a blazing inferno. David's at the second (laughs) level on fire. Where we are literally cut off from doing anything to help him.
0: Yeah. And so of, Aaron could jump in like try and find jump on a shack that isn't burning or I mean that like the thir- like he could try to get it uh, go down but he doesn't go down he, he runs up he runs up to the top of the peak of the caldera and on there, there's a stone, bloodstained stone altar. And there's a cave. Oh, I look in the cave. Well, you see, there's a fucking moonbeast in the cave, <laughs> and the moonbeast is casting a spell at you. And there's pirates. Keep in be- mind, this is a pre-written scenario. This
2: is not Ross being a dick yeah. and fucking there. Like it's all. There was always a moon beast in that cave. Yeah, there right? is.
0: Like it's written in there. Like and I looked up the spell that he had. I'm like, oh, that's a dick one. <laughs> uh, but it takes him two rounds to cast. So like, there's pirates behind him. Moon beast in front of him. <laughs> Aaron, your only choice is either to kill all three pirates or kill the moon beast, or <laughs> jump off and make some checks. And so Aaron fails some of his checks. He I'm, fails all of his checks. No, he made some of them. Like, oh yeah, he, he, he
2: ran away from the He got away from the pirates, but he failed his jump check.
0: Yeah, and so but he made a luck check so he doesn't just fall off into the void, <laughs> but he falls to the side and grabs onto the side and just like ragdolls his way down two levels. And no, a, he falls. Yeah. They chase him down. He yeah. tries to jump again.
2: He crit fails the second one and yeah. falls down another low. So it's like uh, it's like that tribes BMX game where yeah. they crash just, a boom, boom, boom,
0: boom, boom, yeah.
2: boom, just rolling down this. <laughs> he's just ragged all yeah.
0: <laughs> and the pirates eventually take him to negatives, but they don't. They take him to negative two, but he's not dead yet. So David rushes up to him. Finally, David finally gets to him, yeah. But David gets taken out, and then you have to go and get them, I think.
2: Yeah, but in the midst of that, you gave Aaron a con check (laughs) So he could get up. Yeah. So he gets up after being literally stabbed multiple times while prone on the ground with a sword. He's walking around, and then he fails something and just falls unconscious <laughs>
0: again. Yeah. Physiology Bio- f- f- of characters in Dreamland is a little more resilient than in real world.
2: <laughs> so it ends with me dragging both of them <laughs> to the
0: boat, pretty much. Yeah.
2: And uh, that's, that's Aaron. He, yeah. He's going to set the orange grove on fire.
0: <laughs> it, was, it was pretty amazing. (laughs) like it's like he yeah he he likes just jumping in the heart of danger so uh, yeah there's
1: wow yeah yeah, any thoughts on that (sighs) Tom like don't say you're surprised I'm not surprised I would at that point say uh, do we need him yeah (laughs) Uh, I didn't want to kill him off that early in the
0: campaign the first session I've run since I got back so like uh, that'll be next time probably
1: (laughs) it's just (laughs) I mean (laughs) I'm glad he actually paid for it, too. Yeah, I mean, yeah. The last time I can see he, when he really paid for it was at the one in the Russian missile silo. Yeah. When he sn- sneaks away, and yeah, yeah. and then and then as you're chasing him down with an AK-47, he says, Let me explain! <laughs> no. No.
0: <laughs> yeah, you just execute his character for being suspicious as hell.
1: And as you should.
2: If you're suspicious as hell in a <laughs>
0: missile silo... Yeah.
1: You should be executed. Yeah. No, it's clearly not. It's a bad not, place to well, especially be. Especially when you keep disobeying the orders of the CO. <laughs>
0: Suspicious as hell. Yeah. yeah I mean, I, I'm not arguing. I mean, it happens. So, Aaron, just... People, humans are usually learning creatures. So sometimes, habits die hard. He brings the conflict. You don't need to design one. He, he will make it. He's a conflict
2: Yeah, you're right. I mean, you're right. So... <laughs>
0: Uh, with that note, um, I mean, what GMing philosophy can really uh, ha- account for Aaron? <laughs> it truly cannot. Exactly. <laughs> Nor can system or logic. Yeah, so don't overthink GMing. There, there's always going to be... Uh,
1: <laughs> there's going to be a fly in the ointment. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> All right. So this has been RPPR episode 98. I GM, therefore I am. I'm Russ Payton. Uh, I'm
2: Tom Church. I'm um, Caleb.
0: Yeah. And, uh, yes, he We'll is. talk to you guys next time.